This is the Sonder Community Podcast. Our goal is simple, better ourselves and better the world. My friends, this is Corey Moore with the Sonder Community Podcast. I realized that I I might not have even said my name up to this point. So if you've been listening to this and you're like, who the heck is in my ears and why should I care? I don't know why you should care, but to be clear, it is me, Corey Moore. I'll talk a little bit more about myself, what I'm worth thinking about doing for uh, like the Sounder community as a whole, some of my goals with the open letter to a dying church, all these, all these different things. Um, and talk about that next week uh, with the next week's episode and call it More Thoughts, which I think is pretty genius. Uh, yeah, it's my last name, More. Anyway, as far as today goes, um, a little heads up on the recording. It got a little funky, uh, so the sound quality is not what we'd like to normally do, uh, but it's fine. It's totally listenable. Uh, just, just know that it's like just slightly off. One of, the, one of the things I'm wanting to do within this community is to have not just experts in fields and really, you know, people talking about theories. Um, I really want to give voice to people's lived experience and, um, you know, and whatever that looks like to say, hey, you are somebody who's, you know, been important to me or... Um, you have your, you know, viewpoint of what reality is, and let's let's hear about it. Today is actually one of my dear friends, Shannon Adams. She is somebody who we have never actually lived in the same city since we've been um, friends. But she she's somebody that you, it's one of those people that you just connect with, and you're like, oh, we we get it, you know, I, you get me on a deeper level. I, I, I hope that you would say the same thing about me. Maybe she wouldn't. Um, but we get, we get to just get a little view of what the past few years have been like for her. She's been through these, just, just a, she's gone through the ringer with some health issues and, um, community and beliefs changing. It's just a whole lot going on. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad that I get, get to, got to have her, got to have a conversation with her and record it. Um, but even since the recording of this, she's actually decided to due to medical bills and do the support and all these different factors. She's moving across the country to live with some other really good friends. And, um, in the show notes, we'll have a way that you can support her in, in this transition of life, if that's what you want to do. Because that's something that I want to be a part of the Sounder community is that it doesn't matter our physical location. We're able to love our neighbor. We're able to be generous and take care of each other, whether or not we're neighbors, like physically, um, to transcend our physical location, to have relationships with people. And so, you know, if you have a, a baby, I would love to be a part of the meal train, you know, to have, to take care of you. Um, and so... Same same goes for, um, same goes for this situation. So if you want to support her in this transition, feel free to. Um, but without 
further ado, here's Shannon Adams. Shannon Adams, uh, welcome to the Sounder Community Podcast. It's good to have you. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, I uh, I met Shannon, and actually, how did how did we meet? I mean, it was some something in the church. Yeah, something I'm not even quite sure. I saw you and fell in love with you. Yeah, uh, same. We, I mean, Shannon's a little older than me. I was an intern at the church, and constantly, every time I would see her, she just. Okay. Well, and I had a lot of struggles. I had a lot of like frustrations with these people who were older than me. And I had a lot of people who, um, uh, didn't quite believe in me as much as I wish they would. And I felt like Shannon was always somebody who would stop by and she was, you know, Shannon's in Florida. I'm in Illinois. She would fly in every once in a while and stop by and just say how much she loves me, how much she cares about me, how, um, proud of me she was. And all these, all these different moments of like, I, want you to know how special you are. And I feel like that's um, just what I think of when I think of Shannon is just like somebody who's willing to stop all the time and just say, you are so special. I want to be fully, I mean, like the Mr. Rogers of my life, essentially of like, you are special to me and I love you. And uh, I mean, you, Shannon, you'd give me and Sarah, I'm sure you remember of like randomly hundred dollars just to go on dates whenever we were poor interns, you know, it's just, you're such a kind and generous person, not just with your money, but with your time, with your words and all that stuff. So I am just so glad to be able to have somebody like you on the podcast and yeah, to be able to hear from you a little bit. Wow. I mean, being referred to as your Mr. Rogers, that might be the <laughs> highest compliment I've ever been paid in my life. Well, there you go. I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little choked up over here. <laughs> Same. Well, um, uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, Shannon, you, you and I met in the church, you were in the church world for a while and then you stepped down. Just give us a quick overview. What's, what's your story? Yeah. I wasn't even just in the church world. The church was my world for most of my life. So, uh, there's that. Um, yeah, I'm from South Florida, um, beautiful place that, you know, I live in, I live where you vacation. So that's wonderful. Um, it's awesome. Culturally diverse. We have access to, you know, every, nearly every culture. And I love it. I love my upbringing, um, in terms of that. Um, I started going to church when I was a teenager and never stopped until, you know, this last little bit of my life. Um, and I dove headfirst in, have a very, uh, complicated and trauma filled life, uh, prior to that point. So that's, uh, really exciting. Might write a novel about that one day or something, but, um, yeah, I was, uh, went to a ministry training program and from there was on staff at the church in Illinois for a few years. Um, thus becoming my, my, one of my safe places at that point and would come back and visit, which is where I met you, Corey. Um, and uh, from there, I was on staff at another church after I moved back home here to South Florida for over a decade, um, doing lots of different jobs and having lots of different titles, um, all the while navigating my own journey and development and 
questions and struggles and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but the church was not just my job. It was my world. It was my identity. It was all that I knew. Um, and I didn't function outside of it for a very, very, very long time. Um, but uh, above even church, though, one thing people should know, like people are my favorite thing. Like yeah. I... People are my absolute favorite. I love people, and I and I mean that sincerely. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I think so. you were one of the people who it's like you have different types of like churches or world where you're like, church is my world, and I want to make the biggest best service in the world, you know, possible. I want to play the best music. I want to be the best communicator in the world. And then you're the other type of person who church is my world because of my love for just people. And I think the other side is a little bit in there too. It seems like, but. I think you you're on the side of like this is so much about the people I interact with and the people who I love and I want to see the best for. Yeah, that that was the goal and I thought that, that was, was what I was, was I thought that was what I was a part of. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So you do that for a, your whole life and then you're on staff at this church, you um what You've, you said you've transitioned out. So what does that transition look like? What, what started that? What were the feelings? Yeah. So um, I would say probably about five or six years ago, there was some budget cuts that happened at the church, which happens at every church, right? Money mm -hmm. is always a, a factor in most decision-making at churches. Uh, it just is, it is what it is, right? Um and uh, I was brought down to part-time. I started working at a nonprofit that worked with um, at-risk and in-need girls in public high schools, and I loved it, but I was still part-time at the church, and uh, I did that. So I was working full-time and part-time, so I had two jobs, both heavy jobs, not easy to do, not easy to juggle. There was some... some uh, incidences that happened at the church that were really messy, really, uh, for legal matters, I can't really jump into all of that. Um, but was, it just was awful. And, um, that was part of the reason that they were making some of these cuts. And, uh, that was the first, that was kind of the first moment where I was like, Oh, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Sure. I thought this is what I was going to be doing forever. Like I thought this was it, like church was yeah. it. And suddenly I'm not doing that. And I kind of don't know. It, it rocked my world for sure. Cause suddenly I wasn't like Shannon church girl. I was like Shannon doing another job and like church is a side gig. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's like, you know, not everyone gets a paycheck from the church and people just go to church, but that was just like, not on my radar because it hadn't ever been, you know, like that right. hadn't been my, my reality up until that point. Um, fast forward a few years later and I, um, had, a, took a, took a hit with my health and I got diagnosed with lupus and subsequent, a couple of other, uh, different, uh, diseases and, comorbidities keyword buzzword these days yeah. <laughs> um and i could no longer function in the same capacity of working full-time and continuing to serve part-time at the church and just ra raised a white flag and said hey 
I, I need some help. Like, I can't keep doing this. And um, there were some discussions. Nothing really came about it. So I kept plugging away. Mm-hmm. Um, the church came to me and said they could no longer pay me for the part-time position that I was in. But they still needed me to keep working in that same capacity because they didn't have anyone to fill that need. Oh, and I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm like a gap filler team player. Like, uh, you know, I don't want there to be anything that falls through and it's all about people. And if I don't keep doing this, like the people are the ones that are going to be hit by that or whatever. And uh, so I kept doing it at this, you know, really to my own consequence, like to, to really, you know, I, I was putting my health on the line at that point. And I said, I can't keep doing this. I had a breakdown with my uh, staff member that was over me at the time, a pastor on the church and said, please help me. And um, at that point I was involved in a bunch of different ways. I was leading worship and helping with production and media and all of that kind of stuff. And I asked for very specific help and they stripped me of everything. Mm. and I found out from other people Wow! and um, it threw me for a loop and suddenly I had no identity because I was no longer serving in these roles and I was just like nameless faceless I didn't know how to function and that's really kind of where the undoing if you will sort of started to begin because I didn't know who I was without church and the church more or less could keep going without me. It, did, I, I, it made no difference that I was no longer, no longer right. there. And I, that was a blow that I was not expecting to, to get hit with, especially while navigating this newfound diagnosis and subsequent hospitalizations and, and illness and all of this kind of stuff. It just was like this cacophony of like, of, just the worst kind of way you know what i mean sure Um, so that's just a little bit of of kind of how that kind of came to be um that transition started um and the last few years have been uh one hit after the next yeah uh, so to speak i want to hear more about that um but let's take our time yeah, yeah, for sure. What the next little bit has been, but the I'm curious, was there anything leading up to? So you're in this like, hey, I'm I'm at my capacity, I'm at my wit's end here. Um, was there anything in that that you're like mentally going to that you're like, okay, I'm having these because uh, you even said like I'm on my, I was on my journey through this whole time. Like I'm having these questions or these frustrations or these weird like, why? Like, is this what I even, is this what I think it is? Because even in the beginning, you're like, well, that's the thing I wanted to be a part of is this loving people yeah. thing. Is this what I, this is? Did you have any of that? Did you allow yourself to go to that, those places in, in your head and be like, maybe this isn't it? I think I did, um, but not to the level that I needed to go to. Um, sure. There was always like a, don't go too far. Yeah. Don't go off the cliff. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of that was out of self-preservation. Some of that was out of like, I, I need the paycheck. So, right. so don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't question too much. Cause you can't cash the check then. You know what I mean? Um, for, I mean, that sounds terrible. I realized that, but that was but, the reality that I was in. Um, sure. 
I think that for most of my Christian walk, I have found myself as an outsider in most traditional church settings in terms of the way that I think, feel, and act. Um, I've always been more liberal than most. I've always kind of been um, someone who has somewhat of an opposing view and isn't afraid to kind of come at it from a different perspective or, or, or ask tough questions. I think that in my late, my last church position, um, there was frustration that was starting to build because I kind of always found myself on the opposing side and it was always for the sake of people. Like there was yeah. never a point that I was arguing for production value yeah. or budget or um, you name it. Like my, my argument was always for people, you know, I remember arguing points uh, against extended worship services. Cause I was like, what's the point of continuing to, to, serve the people in this room when there are so many people outside of this room that could benefit. Like we're just, we're just continuing to reach the same people over and over and over again. Like there's so many other people that could benefit from this and feeling continuously shut down, shut down, shut down. Um, that, I mean, there were some, some tense moments in my, uh, in my journey on staff there, you know, there were some, toe-to-toe moments with our lead pastor that I had because I wasn't afraid to stand up because I wasn't doing it for my own sake. I felt very, um, uh, I will, I am not someone who will fight for my own benefit, but dare me not to fight for the benefit of somebody else. You know what I mean? Uh, so you're really good at the love your neighbor. You're not so good at the love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, 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 I forget about that part quite frequently. Uh, second half. Yeah. I'm still learning that part. Um, <laughs> yeah, I fail that part on the test quite, quite often. <laughs> um, so there was tension building um, quite frequently um, over the years in that sense. But I felt like it was my duty to keep being that thorn if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Like if no one else is going to voice this differing opinion, if no one else is going to stand up, if, if no one else is going to say these things or, or be that, like I'm going to continue to do that. So I felt like I was almost there on purpose to give that kind of difference in opinion. Yeah. Um, but it gets really tiring when you're always that person. Oh yeah, totally. And when you're in it alone and when you're fighting the church to be the church. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm, not to say that there weren't good moments and not to say that there wasn't, um, good fruit, quote unquote, you know, quote like, unquote, yeah. uh, you know, um, but ultimately for me, the decision to, to walk away was my heart was getting sick in that environment. Yeah. And I couldn't get healthy in the same environment that made me sick. You know, like I yep. couldn't, I couldn't stay with all of that tension because it was going to, it was going to lead to bitterness at some point. And, and that's okay. You know, like I just, it's really hard to love people when you're like just seeping bitter. 
You know what I mean? Like it's really hard. So for me, it was like, I can keep loving people or I could stay. Yeah. It was kind of the tension of it all. Um, And I'm still wrestling. Like I haven't, I don't think that I've landed somewhere concrete yet and I'm okay with that. Um, Maybe that's not the goal. Yeah. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. So you are in this position, you've realized, oh, okay, the church can keep moving on without me. You uh, are sick. You're kind of at your wits end. How does the, how do you feel like you're stepping out of your church staff? Did you, and you left the church completely? Like you weren't attending after you were, weren't working for? So I kind of had an easy way out. Um, I never made like a big declaration of like, I'm Shannon and I'm leaving. Like I never did that. I kind of slowly like, um, so with my treatment course and everything like that, I was put on heavy duty immunosuppressants and my doctors were saying, you know, if you go out into large crowds, you have to be really careful because you can catch any COVID too, right? This is pre COVID. So wearing a mask, things like that, which, so the irony of it all was that, I was having to wear masks if I was going to go into uh, large gatherings. And I was looked at like I was like a freak of nature. Like I was looked at like, who is this girl? What is going on? Like I was wearing masks on planes and people were like, oh my gosh, what is this girl trying to hide? You know, like just looking at me like (laughs) super suspicious. Um, and all this kind of stuff. So you're on the cutting edge of fashion. So that makes sense. Yeah. I was the trendsetter for sure. Yeah, basically. Um, which was really beneficial because when COVID first started and you couldn't get masks anywhere, I already had a stockpile. Got them. (laughs) Hey, there you go. There's the positive. (laughs) There's always a positive. (laughs) Silver linings. Uh, Silver linings for sure. Um, And I just, I couldn't, I didn't want the spotlight on my illness. I didn't want people to suddenly start paying attention to my presence because I was sick and they, they noticed me because I was wearing a mask or I was, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to be that the reason that people noticed I was there. Like a sympathy, like a, one of those. And I also, um, so, so lupus is not curable. Um, science has not come around so far to find a cure for lupus. So this is something I'm going to have for the rest of my life. And, um, I was having a really hard time with, with people, um, well-meaning, very well-meaning people continuously coming up to me to pray for me, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to heal, see me healed. And, and, um, you're going to get better soon. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Yeah. You know, like this isn't, you know, and, and kind of wanting to, you know, take a box in their Christian card. Um, and, and like, there be real moments when I don't want you to pray for my healing. I want you to pray because my heart hurts. I'm sad. And that really is more, predominantly my need right now versus this, but you don't care to ask me. You just jump in and go with what you want. I just didn't want that to be how I was noticed. So it kind of made my transition 
um, a little easier to step back and say, you know, I could blame it. I could use, I could use my illness as a crutch a little bit to kind of give me some space to navigate and to kind of wrestle and to, um, yeah, kind of, kind of give me the, the bandwidth to, to say, where am I at in this? What, what's going on um, without having to make a definitive like declaration, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a natural transition out. Um, and I, yeah, that's kind of how that, that happened practically. Yeah. But did, so we, we all have relationships that are just, you know, temporary, they're in flux. You know, you don't, you're not best friends with all the people that you went to high school with or that you worked with in the past. And Wait, like you're, you're not? Well, I am. Well, I mean, actually, <laughs> some of my best friends are from when I was in high school, but that's, that's not the point. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you have these relationships that are in flux, but then you have relationships that you're like, oh man, I, I thought this was different. Do you, do you feel like there was a lot of like support, like genuine support, not like I'm sympathy supporting you. And like, I mean, I hope that, I mean, you felt that from other people of like, we love you because we love you. And we're checking in you because we check in, we're checking in on you because you're, you matter to us, not because of you're some sympathy case. Yeah, you feel like sure. you had that support from the church after you left, or did you kind of feel like uh, this is you? I don't know where where'd you guys go? Hmm. I think it's been a mixed bag for me. I think that old adage "out of sight, out of mind" kind of comes into play. Yeah, I realized um, it was actually kind of a point where I was like, "Whoa!" I had to do some evaluation of my own self. Is that? Um, I realized that if I wasn't there, there were so many people who I genuinely thought I was very close to that, that weeks and weeks and weeks would go by and there'd be no communication, no check-in. If I wasn't the one reaching out, there'd be no, like they're just, it wouldn't happen. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I get it. But then it kind of, it kind of brought me to a place of like, I've probably been guilty of the same thing. Like I've been caught up in that swirl too. Yeah. Yeah. And it really was an eye opener for me to be like, dang, I need to go back and send some apologies. Like I need to make some phone calls and make things right. Yeah. Cause I for sure have done the same thing. Um, because you just get caught up in your own world in this, and, and the church was my world. And I, as sad as it is to say is I didn't have friendships outside of the church. Very few. Um, you know, I didn't hang out with people outside of the church. I didn't have, you know, uh, most of my connections, you know, came from the church or through the church or because of the church, you know? Um, so I think that in the immediate, there was support. Um, I was thinking about this the other day is that, you know, we say love is, you know, patient and kind and some translations say long suffering but um when someone is suffering long there isn't a lot of love Mm. (laughs) and i think that in the immediate rush of diagnosis and issues and things like that people were there but this is a forever kind of thing 
And so, um, again, until modern medicine advances and there's some progress made, but the longer I go in my battle with these diseases, the less there is of people being present and 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 showing up and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. And I think it's I think some of it is maybe intimidation. People don't know how to continue to love you when things aren't better because mm. they're so programmed in the church to like have faith, have faith, things are going to get changed, yeah. things are going to change and there's going to be miracles and then when that doesn't happen, they just don't know like the, you know, that tense sense of like toxic positivity, like they just don't know how to function when things don't go right. Right. And like, this is real life. Like things yeah. don't go right. You know, like, yeah, totally. like all things do not work out for good. Like, I'm sorry. That's just not how, like, I don't think like it all is hunky dory. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't all feel good. I should say. Yeah. That's a better way to phrase well, it. Like, it's an Instagrammable good too. It's not like the sexy good. It's like, well, I mean, we can, we'll get to the good things that you've seen along with it, but the suffering is still there. It doesn't take away the suffering. For sure. And I think that um, people just, people just didn't know what to do with that and still don't yeah. know what to do with that. Like the, how are you feeling text gets really old, really fast. Yeah. And people don't know what to say beyond that. And I'm like, you could just talk to me like a normal human being. There's, there's so much to me besides illness. Right. There's so much to me, besides, you know what I mean? Um, but people can't get past that. Um, and so where church used to be my identity, I feel like now a lot of my identity is wrapped up in illness, which is like another like frustration point that I'm wrestling with in the moment. You know, Do you feel like that's your identity for yourself or how other people view you. Um, I think it probably is both. And I have to fight the battle not to identify myself with illness. Yeah, sure. Um, and not to um, just say, this is all I'll ever be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and to kind of be like, no, there's more to you, Shan. You know, there's right. kind of coach myself through that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Sorry. I was no, no, there. that's. No, that was good. That was, I mean, I'm also just was curious because I feel like there's sometimes where people have like put you in categories and then there's times where you put yourself in categories. And I wasn't sure if it was like, you feel like everybody else is looking at you like, oh, Shannon's, you know, if there's a list of labels to put on Shannon, Shannon is sick and at home, or if that was how you felt about yourself. So I think sometimes I do. Yeah. But I'm trying to to break out of that for sure. Yeah. Oh, you talking about um, people not knowing what to do with suffering and like all this stuff. It reminds me, I was just uh, reading a book on Dorothy Day. She was like the founder of the Catholic workers movement and was an advocate for poor people and all, all this. I mean, she did so much stuff, um, but she has this, she's talking about what, what love is. And one of the biggest things she kept harping on was uh, love is, I mean, this is a summary. I don't have the book in front of me. I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but the, the idea is basically that like love is long suffering. Love is suffering along with somebody and going through the hard things. I mean, that's why even in you know most wedding marriage vows, it's like, you know, until death do us part because there's sickness and health. And there's this really tough look that takes a lot of love to go. I'm going to sit with you in, in the 
most difficult season of your life, which may be for the next 15 years. But I want you to know that I love you and I see you more than just this, this label of sick or poor or whatever the thing is. So but I think that's really important is, is to be able to cultivate that. And I think that that is something yeah, I'm, it's hard to know how, how do you suffer along with somebody, especially it's, it's one thing to suffer alongside a spouse, but it's another thing to suffer alongside a really good friend who lives in down the street from you or across the country from you. It's, it's complicated and it's not yeah. easy, but it's not, it's not something that we should give up on trying to learn because it's something that we should, for sure, should be trying to cultivate. No, that's good. So you are now sick. You've lost your community who people who you're like, okay, there's some people who I really, really thought we were, we were more than just this. And like, this is just weird. You've now your big, your identities on the chopping block, it's been decapitated or whatever. It's like, who, who is Shannon now without, cause you're, you're having to be alone for the most part, especially when, God, when it's COVID hits, you're completely isolated for the past however long totally. you've, who, who is Shannon now? It's like the scene in Zoolander where Zoolander's trying to figure out, remember who he is and he's praying to God and he gets a phone call and it's a little tiny phone and he answers it. God, that's just what I think of it. Like, <laughs> is that, is that you? But like, who, who, who am I? And he's like looking at the the puddle and he's like, who am I? Anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the point being, <laughs> the point being, what, what does this look like? You're, you're going through, I mean, Richard Rohr says, uh, and he's who I heard it from. I don't know if it's um, he's him who originated it, but he says we have the most transformation in life whenever we go through, whenever we have great love and great suffering. Yeah. And you've sure had a lot of the, a lot of the suffering. And I mean, we'll talk about more of the love too, and the transformation that's come with that. But like, what is that, this beginning of this transformation over the past name, was it two years, three years now? Um, yeah, three years about. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like? How, yeah. Um, I think that through suffering, you get to prioritize what really matters. Um, I think that you, the fluff kind of falls away, if that makes sense. Like you don't sweat the small stuff. I know that seems cliche, but when you're in the hospital and when you're getting more bad news and when you're getting, uh, you know, uh, overwhelmed and your body is failing you, 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 the little things that, that triggered you just don't anymore. Um, and I think that, uh, you start to evaluate like legacy and you start to evaluate almost, I mean, this sounds a little bit dramatic, but I started to evaluate, like, what is it that I want to leave behind? Like when my life ends, what is it that I want people to talk about? Like what, I don't want them to have to lie at my funeral, you know, like I want there to be, I want it, I want it to be easy for people to say nice things. <laughs> Right. Uh, when I'm gone and I started to evaluate, you know, well, if that's what I want the legacy to be, I need to work backwards from there. Um, so I can't physically do the same things that I did before. I can't show up in the same ways. You know, I was always the person that so-and-so sick, I'm going to be there with the chicken soup and the kombucha mm -hmm. and the, flowers just because you don't ask you just do it you know 
Um, but that's just not um, w- within my capacity to do so anymore. I mean, I, sure, I can sometimes, but I can't do it every time. And my desire is to do it every time. Right. Um, but but how can I show up? It's sending the text messages. It's, you know, when someone comes to my mind, telling them, you know, it's not withholding my affection. It's not with withholding my, um, you know, affirmation. It's sending cards in the mail because I can do that, you know, from my little cave of wonders that I can't leave, (laughs) Um, you know, things like that. I think that um, I've also, I've also had the opportunity to meet, you know, go places and be places that other people can't be in, you know, I've been in the, you know, the hospital rooms and the hospital wards and the doctor's waiting rooms and, and places like that, that are so scary for people to be in, you know, um, and I, and I've, I've been in the infusion centers next to the, you know, patients that are, you know, all of this kind of stuff, suffering alongside of them, but able to, to be someone to just listen to. I don't know how many times I can tell you, like my, my goal is, is not to fake it, but like being gentle, being kind, smiling. Like when you're in a position where you're about to get some devastating news and someone has like a gentle smile towards you in the waiting room, it really does make all the difference in the world. Um, And I remember when people have done that stuff for me. And so like, I can do that also. And so my suffering has brought me to places that I would never have had the opportunity to go and most won't ever get the opportunity to go. And so I look at that, that, that as opportunity, you know, even with like online support groups, I have a, I have communities of people of other chronic illness warriors that I have access into to kind of, to, to relate to, to communicate with, to say, yeah, me too. I mean, that's so powerful. Even just to say, shoot, Yep. Me too. Yeah. You know, nothing else has to be said, but just nothing to know else. someone else has like where I can't get that from my friends who don't know what it's like to be able to, 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 to go to a group of strangers and then to be able to say, Oh yeah, I totally understand what that's like. There's so much liberation that happens in those moments. Like I've cried reading people's like posts before just because I'm like, someone gets it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been some, a lot of awakening that's happened while I have suffered, you know, in the suffering, there's been a lot of awakening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I think you said it already, the idea of life isn't just the ups it's not the hypes it's not the just like the the solution's going to be there life is also so frustrating and suffering in all these difficult times and the the real realistic thing is that we're all going to die we're all going to get to the point where we're sick where we're our bodies are falling apart i mean some of us might die in a car crash who knows you know but for the for the most part hopefully we live a long life that is at some point we just get sick that's the reality of it but the the beautiful thing, and I, I'm, I mean, it sounds like, and I want maybe to hear more about it, is like that suffering, I mean, the suffering is difficult, 
but there's also these beautiful moments that you're having with people who it's like, oh, while I feel so alone and isolated from these people who I thought I was friends with, you or Instagram posts or Facebook posts or whatever, you get what I'm going through. You get For this sure. whole thing. You, I'm connecting with the whoever at the hospital. I mean, tell me more. What has been those moments of like this? That you know, it's the idea of the lotus in the mud. You know, out of this mud, out of the gross, out of the dirty, comes this beautiful flower. And it's like, what? What are those beautiful lotuses in your? Yeah, I mean, there's. Been I mean, a, have there been? I might be just making that up. I don't want to project. Yeah, no, that no, no, you. no. There have been for sure. I'm trying to think of some specific moments. Um, there's one moment that that um, even when if you can't relate, like there being a compassion and an empathy, like that's just really. Okay, so there's this one moment I was going in for my umpteenth test. I was getting a, uh, a CAT scan of my brain. Okay, and uh, they strap you into this table if you've never had a CAT scan, and they put your mm. head in a cage, and they, um, you, you know, you get an IV in your arm, and it's it's a big to dot. It's not there's fun. There's no cats involved in this. There's no cats that are scanning you for anything, unfortunately. God, that would be so much better. <laughs> as far as I know, as far as I know, <laughs> that's fair. They could be little cats in the machine somewhere <laughs> that I'm not seeing. But I mean, that would ease a little bit of the tension of it for sure. Um, but you get rolled into this metal tube and you're there just, you know, like strapped into this table for about 45 minutes while they scan you. And it's terrifying. It's terrible. Like it's, it's not fun. It's really loud. The, the machine is like this close to your face. It's awful. Okay. And I, it was, it was a really bad week. I was feeling really crappy and, uh, they'd already strapped me in and then they're going to put the IV in. And at this point, I know my body very well, right? I'm very in tune with what works, what doesn't work, where it works, all that kind of stuff. So I tell the nurse, uh, you know, what vein is going to be good? And I say, it's, I have tattoos on my arms and I use one of my tattoos as a marker for where she can, she can get an IV. And uh, I tell her exactly where to go and where the vein is. And I tell her how deep it is and whatnot or whatever. And uh, she she sticks the IV and she gets it the first time and she just pauses and she puts her hand on my arm and she whispers, I hate that you know that. Yeah. And I don't know, there was something about the tenderness of the moment yeah. of like this medical professional who there isn't a lot of compassion in the medical field. <laughs> like they're just... That's another topic for another day, but um, just that gentle moment of her saying, I hate that you know this, and her, and her hand, just the humanity of that touch, and with my head strapped into this cage, I just, like, there, just a tear started streaming down my face, and there was something so beautifully that, like, broke open this place in my heart of, like, I'm seen in this moment, yeah. you know? Um, that she, she doesn't know that that moment was so profound for me that I'm still talking about it two years later, you know, but, uh, there's something really powerful about being seen, you know, in the mud about being seen in your suffering, mm -hmm. even by a stranger. 
um, that has really been powerful. And I'm sure there are other stories that I can't think of right now. I know for sure there are, um, but that's the one that sticks out at this moment. Yeah. So you have this sickness, you have all this going on. You're experiencing like, I mean, true, true reality of life. You're experiencing, I mean, just the full spectrum of human compassion and human, I mean, not abandonment may be a strong word, but abandonment or whatever the, the phrase is, you know? Sure. Yeah. You're going through all of this and um, you have all these medical bills stacking up. Tell, and then you have this GoFundMe that you've been, you've had for a little while. What, tell me more about how did this start? Tell me about it. So um, actually about a year ago, I, um, in addition to the lupus and all of this kind of stuff, a year ago, I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer on top of everything. And I uh, subsequently, because of that, lost my job because of treatment and all of the kind of stuff, um, lost my job, got diagnosed with cancer, had to go for surgery, all this kind of stuff. And it just was talk about kicking you when you're down, you know, yeah. uh, if I've already had enough hits, if we can stop the hits from coming, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with no more hits happening. Um, and I didn't know, I kind of was like, well, that's it. I, what, what do I do now? You know, like I have no, I have no options. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where to turn. And I, I had come to, to the end of my rope and I was like, I need people. Like people are going to be the only thing that helped me through this. And it's vulnerable and scary because as much as I want to be the one to love and show up and serve, it is very intimidating to be on the other end of that. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to come across as weak, even throughout all of this illness and journey and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's yeah, it's just very vulnerable position to be in when you're dependent on other people to show up for you. So, you know, especially when my heart is already raw and tender from experiencing all these transitions and like, like you said, going through like people not showing up the way that I expected them to show up and all this kind of stuff. And now being in a place where like, I am literally dependent on, on you to show up if I'm going to make it these next few days, these next few months or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I put together a GoFundMe and was like, help me kick cancer, help me kick cancer's tail. Like I cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. Like I can try really hard, but like, I know that I'm at the end of my rope coming into this already on E, you know, like yeah. th this isn't like I'm, I've been doing really great at life and I just got a cancer diagnosis. Like I've already been like flailing <laughs> and then I got a cancer <laughs> diagnosis. Right. So like, um, did you have insurance for this by the way? So I had insurance through my, so 
in the course of that, I had actually transitioned out of the nonprofit and into an, a, a company, a friend's company and had pretty decent insurance. That's like a pretty, like, I'm th- so thankful for that. Cause otherwise I would have been really screwed for sure. So you're doing, so, you're doing that job for money. You had insurance through that job and it was decent. Yeah. 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 yeah it was decent for sure. And then the medical um, but, bills still came in and. Oh yeah. Insurance. I mean. I know. That's why that's I'm asking about it. Cause I just want to hear. Some <laughs> I could write a book on my experiences with the medical world. Like just, I want you to, oh I want to be very, gosh. I want to read it and just be so upset. I want to it say will, it will make you so upset. It does need to change. It needs to change. It needs to change. That is politics and healthcare and all that stuff. I, okay. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about right now. We'll talk about that another time, but it's, it's just, I wanted to make sure you had insurance and you still, yeah. you're like, Oh my God, these bills are coming in. And because I, I don't know if it's because of South Florida, because, you know, hospitals have been screwed down here before or whatever, but like now you have to pay stuff up front. So like before surgeries, they're like, you got to pay your co-insurance before we'll do anything. You got to pay this Hmm. before we'll even see. So it's not like, okay, just bill me later and I'll figure it out. Like, no, it's like show up with a check or you're not getting things done. Wow. You know? Um, and I'm already, I'm already having medical bills for the last three years of stuff coming up. You know what I mean? Um, so I was like, and now I'm out of work. I don't have a job. Right. I'm going to be down and out for months recovering. And then there's treatment on top of that. So who's to say what this journey looks like and when I'll be able to go back and, and if my body will cooperate and what that looks like. And I just threw out a Hail Mary and was like, help me. And people showed up huge and people are still showing up. It's been the surprise of my life to see how generous and compassionate people have been to me over and over and over again. And when I think that I have, um, used up all the reserves of people's generosity when I squeezed people's hearts dry <laughs> someone just you know like the other day I I was I was sitting on the couch reading and I get a notification and someone had just paypaled me some money and just said here just because hmm. you know like I love it. That's, that's, a, that's a Shannon move though <laughs> that's a you're reaping what you've sown you still got a lot more to reap though I don't know about that. I feel like uh, I I have gotten so much more than I've given out in the world. But I mean, I've been blown away by how people have shown up. I mean, I'm talking like people that I maybe met once or twice, giving thousands of dollars. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, someone not too long ago just said, hey, can I get your address? This is someone that I randomly came across when I was on staff at the church. I couldn't even tell you a single fact about her, okay, beyond her name, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get a check for for $2,000 in the mail. Wow. Because she uh, 
her the corporation that she works for allows uh, employees to ask for for grants to be given when it's their birthday to different organizations, and she petitioned for them to give one to me for her wow. birthday. I mean, come on, this is like kindness like I've never seen before. Right, um, and it has done so much for my weary soul to yeah. see the good in humanity, to see the genuine kindness and, and, and goodness in humanity again. Um, and to know that it's not tied or attached to anything that I've done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like totally. I've not, I'm not earned this. I'm not like working for the church. Like I'm not like these people are not benefiting from me in any way right now. And that has been like, as someone who wants to earn love and that's been my pattern in my life to receive people's kindness with no strings attached and having not earned it, it's hard. It's really hard for me, Yeah, but it's really beautiful for what it's done to my heart for sure. Well, you, I mean, you're talking at the beginning of how you're just always not, not an advocate for bigger worship experiences or bigger lights in the church, or you weren't an advocate for all these things. You're an advocate for people, eh, but maybe I forgot about myself sometimes. And here, I mean, it reminds me of, I mean, I told you this before we talked, but even it reminds me of uh, Ram Das, who was this spiritual guy who just was all about being here present in the moment, loving and accepting exactly what it is as it is and loving each other, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, essentially. And he wrote this book, um, How Can You Help Me? Whenever, you know, he's growing up, or not growing up, but whenever he was coming to popularity, he wrote this book, How Can You Help Me? And then years later, he has a stroke, and he's come, becomes completely dependent on other people. And he goes, ah, if I could rewrite this book, I would rewrite it and make it, how can you help me? And this, this, this idea of being... Um, his, he's like, this is my, what, what is looked at as weakness right now is my weakness is requiring so much more strength than any of my serving, any of my generosity, any of my kindness ever did is just my, my being able to say, I need help and being dependent on somebody else. And I think that, um, there's something, there's something to that. I need, I need help and I need, uh, I need to love myself. And if I'm not going to be an advocate for me, or I need to do what I can to be an advocate for me. And I'm going to make myself a GoFundMe. And to see, and it's again, it's complicated. You have these people who don't know how to deal with suffering. And they're like, how do I meet you emotionally and connect with you? But then you have also have all these people who are like, here's a thousand dollars, here's two thousand dollars. And you're like, how, I mean, that isn't the same as meeting my emotional needs and like connecting with me as a person to make me feel seen in love. Sure. But at the same time, it's practical and I need help and I need love totally. and I need them, need the money. And it's complicated. Ugh. It is really complicated. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, people, always, people ask me like, how can I help? How can I show up? And when you're in the middle of suffering and struggling, it's hard to answer those questions. Yes, totally. You know? It's hard to say X, Y, and Z, please do these things for me. Mm -hmm. um, which is, when I'm feeling well, I try to 
coach people in how to to show up for people. Like, instead of saying like, let me know if you need anything, be like, Hey, here's three ways that I can show up for you. Choose one. You know, Sure. I remember one of my closest friends who, who knows my tendencies, who knows my um, inability to receive help um, said, I'm either going to come clean your bathroom. I'm going to do a load of your laundry or I am going to, uh, I forget what the third option was. So, so choose one of those three, you know, like this is how I'm going to show up for you. Choose one, which one of those best suits you, wow. you know, um, that's, and that's way suffering more- along with somebody that's, that's right. And it, it, it doesn't, it didn't cost her anything to come grab a load of my laundry. You know what right. I mean? Um, and, and I think like the beauty of, even of saying the story of what, like, you know, my Lotus in the mud moment, that woman, that nurse didn't give me anything physically. Right. Right. Like, but even she suffered along with me by seeing me in that moment. And I think that that's part of what we could do better as, as a society is like the with part, you know, like just being with someone is, is more than enough oftentimes, you know, whether it's with someone virtually by FaceTiming or sending the text or having the phone call or, or with someone by just sitting on the couch and vegging out, you know what I mean? Like it's so simple that you feel like it doesn't make a difference, but it really does make a difference when you are the one suffering, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't require any answers. It doesn't require any, performance it literally just requires being with it sounds like yeah absolutely i mean some of the smartest people on the planet can't give me the answers so i'm not expecting it from anyone else you know so so you don't have to solve it you don't have to fix me you don't have to make me better not to put me back together you don't have to rid my body of cancer just show up you know like just could i would I know you would be a little love bug. Oh, um, but you know, just, just the with part is really powerful. Yeah. You know? Well, Shanna, I love you. I love you too, Corey. Do you have any more thoughts that you'd like to hit on before we close up? Uh, it's all a journey, man. You know, I just, it's all a journey while I'm not, you know, I'm not involved in church. People still are, people still matter to me. Um, spirituality still matters to me. Faith is still a big part of my life. Just looks different than I thought it would. Um, at the end of the day, we get to love the people that are around us. We get to show up as us and uh do what we can with what we have you know and that's all that we can ask for and yeah that's all i got yeah well i mean that's i mean you and people like your situation is what i'm i'm hoping to do create a space for in this online community thing you know the idea of you've been I don't think that everybody has to be the monk that goes into the wilderness or, you know, the desert father who is, you know, seeking God in isolation and, you know, whatever the thing is, and is completely alone and abandoned. And I think leaving a church community and facing some of the stuff that you faced, and especially whenever you're like, I, 
physically, I literally can't go be in, around people because of my immune system is compromised. Yeah. I think that is, um, that doesn't mean that you have to, I mean, God, we live in 2022 now, you know, we, we have the ability to FaceTime. We have the ability to have connection with people that isn't about proximity. And so I'm hoping to be able to create a space for people like you, for people who are all over the place, who are like on these journeys that feel like, I feel like I'm in the middle of the desert by myself and to just, let's just build up some tents together. We might all be in the middle of the desert or in our own little versions of whatever our desert is, but to go, let's just build our tent together. And I might not be able to stop by in Florida and do your laundry for you, but you know, awesome. what can we do to help? You know, that's, that's, I mean, I'm not asking you right now, but I'm just trying to say. No, for sure. Yeah. But I, I love you. I really appreciate you being willing to chat and uh, no, I love to be, be vulnerable about this stuff. Anytime. I hope that you mean anytime because I'd love to talk to you all the time about things. But anytime. Janet, it's been a cool. pleasure. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. Feel free to continue to join us on the podcast. As always, all content is also written on our website. This content is only part of what we do. We want to know you. This is an experiment in creating a community that transcends our physical location. We have regular community pop-ups where we connect and have intellectually honest conversations. To sign up for information, stay up to date with our online pop-ups and events, to join our community on Discord and follow us on social media, check out our website at thesondercommunity.com.